Now, as we turn to the idea of our body and its components and some anatomy overview, we're also going to talk about neurological pathways and energetic stuff and chakras. And that's going to be kind of fun. In your teacher training manual that's just the flashcard deck, it talks about like seven-day class sequences where you could turn those seven days into seven weeks, seven months. It depends on when you meet, you know, how many times you meet your groups. But it gives you ideas of things. And within that, there's chakras where, you, where the class is a color theme and a chakra theme that relates to different body parts. So I want to really kind of talk about the coolness of our body. Our body is uh, uh, made up of a brain, a heart, all kinds of zillion cells, and um, 206 bones, over 600 muscles and blood, and we have many systems that help us to function properly. When we are working on movement, our body actually folds or moves in six directions. And I want to, when you think about the breath, every inhale is an upward movement and every exhale is a downward movement, which is interesting because when you do a forward fold in this pose, what's this pose? Right? When you do a forward fold in your tickle monkey, what you're actually doing is your exhale, which is massaging all your internal organs, but it's also engaging your parasympathetic nervous system which is what we're going to kind of encompass and talk about today and give you a bit of better awareness. This playful movement is really awesome. So there's like your skin, your fascia, your uh, muscle, muscles, your skeleton, your joints, your tendons, your ligaments. And then we have our respiratory system, like our lungs and our nostrils. And in yoga, we breathe in and out through the nose, and we'll talk about that when we get to the breath segment because it really helps you get the understanding of how to calm yourself down. Our digestive system, our cardiovascular system, so our heart, our arteries, our veins. Then we have our lymphatic system where we're working into our spleens and our lymphs. Uh, especially when we do twists, it really affects a lot of those lymph nodes. Our endocrine system is a huge thing, and we're going to go over a picture on how the endocrine system is so um, positively enhanced and gets to function better just by doing the moves in a yoga practice. Our kidneys, our bladder for our urinary system, our reproductive system, and our nervous system with our brains, our eyes, our ears, our taste buds. Over half of our body is made up of water. And as I mentioned today, we're just a bunch of tubes and water. So if we took off our skin and our uh, fascia, we would just kind of go bleh. And a lot of times I, I cue to take a sip of water during class. So talking about hydration is really great. You can do, especially if you're doing like an ocean story or a, you know, a lake story or a farm story and there's some water there, or elephant pose where we suck up water from the lake and spray and shower it onto <clears throat> our friends. That's another opportunity to talk about the water in our body. And our heart's a powerful pump that pushes the water and the blood around and helps our circulatory system. Our blood transports oxygen and nutrients to every nook and cranny in our body, 
And then our blood relays the waste and CO2 back out our lungs to be breathed away. And another reason that we like trees is because what do they do? Right? They like the CO2 and then they give us the oxygen. So that's why another reason I really like the metaphor of trees for yoga. Our brain is the central computer in our, in our human being that delivers messages and instructions to our limbs and it helps our nervous system function. So as we work through moving our bodies, remember that our muscles are driven by the brain and our brain are driv is driven by the muscles. The more you move, the more brain cells you're building and the more that you're affecting positively the superhighway to our brain, which is our central nervous system. The spine has 26 bones. So I have a fun little way of figuring out and remembering all about the uh, way to memorize the bones that you can teach kids. So you have your cervical spine, your thoracic spine, and your lower lumbar. The cervical is in the neck. What time do you have breakfast at as a yogi? Seven, right? So we have seven bones in our neck. What time as a yogi do we go to lunch at? And this is the, where our 12 pair of ribs are and the vertebra that help to really articulate everything that we do. 12. 12, yeah, so yogis have lunch at noon and we have our biggest meal at noon because we have a light dinner. What time do we have dinner at? Five. Five, which is kind of cool. So we, uh, that's a great way to remember. Seven. Number is what? So then you kind of know all your bones. Yeah. Uh, the sacrum is actually a fusion of five sacral vertebrae that, um, and I discussed this yesterday, it's between like 16 and the age of like 24 that your uh, vertebra start to fuse. That's why it's kind of easy for women to get pregnant at a younger age and things to kind of move back together because we're not all cohesive yet. So that relaxing when it moves through your body helps you be more loosey-goosey and then you get all like tight. Um, and then we have our tailbone, which is a fusion of four coccygeal vertebra and intervertebral discs but, um, that are between. When we keep our spine healthy by doing yoga, we're really affecting that super highway of the body. Um, when we exercise, stretching helps us to stay flexible and healthy, and movement helps people to avoid injury and feel good. Exercise strengthens our heart because of good circulation, and it allows oxygen-rich nutrients to get through our body. Good circulation promotes elimination, Yoga is a complement to every physical activity that you do. So remember, you don't have to have an hour-long practice. It could be one flashcard. It could be 15 minutes. But you're teaching, especially if you teach kids, like say after like goalie hockey camp this summer or like a lacrosse practice, that they learn how to do <coughs> breath and movement practices, they'll really be able to find more resiliency. Uh, and the postures work all parts of the body. The way that your flashcards are laid out, and you can see in the next kind of pages that go through, there's warm-up postures. So an example would be like cat-cow. Poses done before practice, so your body will be ready. Standing poses for grounding, mountain, triangle, 
crescent lunge, eagle, dancer, even side bending poses. Balancing poses, especially dancer or like your um, starfish pose, which is a variation of half moon. Forward folds like monkey, rabbit, sandwich. Backbend poses that helps to, these are really challenging poses and they help to strengthen your spine by building core and lower body strength, but they also energize and tonify things like your kidneys and they're great heart openers. Twisting poses also really work well on your kidneys. They help to increase flexibility in your spine and release anxiety. So like the owl that you taught Anna um, is a great twist for a kid. Uh, counter poses would be like uh, the jack twists or riding your bike. Uh, inversion poses, down dog is an inversion. Anytime your head is below your heart, you're teaching that no fear attitude. Dolphin plank we know is a breathing one, but it's also strengthening your core. And then seated poses where you're doing like butterfly, turtle, anything where you're um, like a child's pose where you're using the earth to give a more grounded sensation. And then your finishing poses like rest and dream time where you're allowing your body to have what I like to call a rebound where you're giving yourself time for your nervous system to reap the benefits of the practice. And then there's supine poses where you're doing like plow or happy baby or candle joy pose where you're allowing yourself to um, improve circulation, you're flipping perspectives and you're allowing yourself to kind of repurpose your energy. Uh, remember when you're talking about coming into this space that we're really working from alignment in every pose. Every pose is Tadasana, because Tadasana means I am here, standed in my truth, I'm really focused, I'm alive, uh, I'm allowing myself to rise up to my best self. Your feet need to be set into alignment where you're grounded. Um, so if you look at your feet, I like to think of the four points of contact, which I mentioned yesterday when we were talking about Tadasana. You have the ball mounts of your feet, like the axles of the wheel of the car, and then your heels, where you don't just need to think of three points of a contact, because a three-pointed, three-legged chair is a little tipsy, but a four-pointed contact or a chair you, or a table, you have the axles of your space, and you're balanced at four points. So you could lift up your toes and still be steady. Do you ever do like a short meditation after they do a supine? In a yeah. laying on the back? Oh, for sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Anytime, add in a meditation. That's great. <coughs> when we go through the human body, once again, this manual is created for someone who's never, ever really focused on yoga or knows about alignment and all of that good stuff. You look at the skeleton and you see the bones in the body on page 26A, and then you start to see the muscles that we're affecting and everything that we do. What I think is really interesting is when we get into the important glands, the ovaries, the testes, the um, thyroid, the parathyroid, the kidneys, the pancreas, the adrenal glands, the thymus gland, the pituitary gland, and the thyroid gland, 
all in the pineal gland, all of these are affected when we're moving. That's a really, really huge part of the practice that we don't really discuss a lot, but it helps so much to help a child to kind of um, flush out the toxins. How many of you go to the bathroom? <laughs> right? How many of you go number two? What do you do after you go poop if you're not wearing diapers? You flush the toilet. So every pose and counterpose that we do is almost like flushing the toilet. It's getting all the caca out of your body so that you can create a pure, clean space. So our practice really is helping us to flush out the lymphs, the glands, the moans, the muscles, um, even the organs of the ab abdomen, like your spleen, your liver, your intestines, your kidneys, your bladder. They're all getting flushed out. Uh, and the chest, the heart, the lungs, all that good stuff. You see that cute little picture there of the brain and the nerves on page 26B? Just remember that picture because there's a really interesting picture that's coming up of what yogis thought our nervous system looked like thousands of years ago, but they didn't call it the nervous system. They called it something else. What I think is really neat is 27A and 27B where it talks about the relationship of the glands to the specific chakras. If you're interested in chakras, it's very, very interesting to me. Or how different on 27B, how different specific points in the central nervous system, how they relate to the spinal column, relate to different uh, systems. So if someone says, like, I have a pain that might be caused by stress or by something, that it actually could be a manifestation of something totally different. Uh, I put in 27D to kind of show you, especially when you're working with teenagers or people who are having hormonal challenges, actually what's happening um, in their systems and how it manifests in your face. That's why yesterday when I was talking about face yoga, you know, do yoga for your face too. Page 28 shows those lines of communication within your body and what area that they represent by showing you, um, you know, say you have like a pinch in your C5. Well, it could be that your vocal cords, so you're not speaking your truth. It could be, uh, say, something's going on t in your T9, that your pancreas, your spleen, your ovaries, your uterus, your small intestine, that something's going on in there. Which I think is really interesting when you get to 29A, because it's eliciting emotion body chart. If you look at that and then you say, like, I have a pain in my rear end, it actually might mean that you, that you have a pain in your ass because of anger or any kind of issue that's been you're holding on to, right? If you have something going on in your shoulder, it talks about how you are, it might be where you can't cope or you're holding fear or bitterness. Isn't that interesting? And when kids, and remember, kids are 
big souls and little bodies, but adults are big souls and big bodies. Sometimes we can't express things and we internalize it and then we hold on to it in our body. So this is a really interesting way of kind of finding um, how our bodies are autobiographies and they show so much. I put in um, your sheets also something that I find really fascinating. When I showed you the picture of Jill Taylor holding the brain and the spine yesterday, you really see how the brain is connected to the central nervous system. So when we're doing yoga and moving our body in six directions, we can heal everything and we can find a balance between the sympathetic and the parasympathetic. So when we look at the parasympathetic and the sympathetic as it connects to our brain, I showed you how the lines of communication affect certain organs, but then you can see, like, if your parasympathetic is working, your pupils are constricted, it stimulates your tear glands, it allows um, your um, salivary flow, it slows your heart rate, which is what yogis want, right? It allows your, uh, to stimulate digestive juices, it makes your organs work well so you're not constipated, so your intestines work. And uh, when you're in your sympathetic position where it, your eyes are dilated and you're not, your mouth gets dry and your heart rate goes up and your bronchial, uh, your lungs don't work as well, your, your body isn't able to secrete so your pancreas and doesn't work very well, and your bladder isn't able to uh, kind of function properly. So it's amazing what happens when you work the central nervous system and allow the body to find homeostasis or balance. There's an ancient text in uh, one of the old stories. I don't know if it's in the Upanishad or if it's in just another like um, book about like yoga, like the Hatha Yoga Pratapika, but it tells you how uh, your body comes into homeostasis or your body comes into balance when you practice yoga. Automatically, your body comes into alignment. Another thing that I put in here just for you to talk about the sen lines and the reflexology points and those energetic points is hand massage charts and foot massage charts. For kids who have like... Um, things that are going on or adults have things that are going on and they have like a backache or something, you can have them roll a tennis ball in their foot because your world is in your foot, right? You could have them, uh, the fascia at the feet goes all the way up to your head. So by rubbing a tennis ball on your foot, you're actually releasing congestion in your mind, which is kind of cool. And even rubbing ears there's all of those same points that you have in your feet are in your ears, which is really neat. So I have this weird thing where at night I sit there and I go like this to my feet, and everyone thinks it's weird, but I think I'm maybe, maybe I'm relieving You're tension. rubbing, yeah, you're relieving I tension and rubbing your feet. Like so. I, so, yeah. 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 I have to do this every night before mm -hmm. bed, mm -hmm. and I, so. Mm -hmm. When kids are on the spectrum, a lot of times they have you hit their feet. It's a proprioceptic practice to self-soothe. Yeah, mm -hmm. that's great, Barb. 
I want to kind of turn to something before we get into page 30. On 33D, I wrote an article about nadis and prana. So we have that picture of the central nervous system, and we kind of see the flowing rivers of energy um, in this idea of nadis. The human nervous system is divided into a central and autonomic nervous system. And the autonomic is divided into parasympathetic, which is PNS, and sympathetic, which is SNS. The parasympathetic nervous system is divided by a gap between the vagus nerve. And the vagus nerve is the wandering nerve. It's the longest uh, of the cranial nerves. And its name is derived from the Latin word meaning wandering. The vagus nerve works from your medulla, the brain stem, through the organs of the neck, the thorax, and ends up in the abdomen. It conveys sensory information and the state of the body's organs and the central nervous system. 80 to 90% of the nerve fibers in the vagus nerve are sensory. So when we allow ourselves to calm the vagus nerve and send serotonin, the happy hormone, through our bodies, we automatically come into a parasympathetic state. Uh, the left and right sympathetic nervous and in turn we are allow ourselves to uh, find the subtle instrument of the Ida nadi which is the left channel which manifests the left central nervous system and the Pinga nadi which is the right channel the right central nervous system the central channel of the Shashumna Nadi manifests the parasympathetic nervous system. And that's that Hara line, that golden line of energy. So nostril dominant shifts is um, affected in the Ida and the Pingala. And the dominant shifts from time to time during the day, for one with a well-balanced body and mind, that shift of nostril dom dominance happens approximately once in 90 minutes where the air passes freely from side to side. And this is where we get that idea of the flow of energy or prana. The first breath, the primal or atomic beginning of the flow of energy is prana. And out of this first unit of energy manifests all aspects and the levels of the human being. The prana or the little flowing rivers of energy, nadis, carry the prana through the body. So I showed you that picture of the little boy who had the little lines of energy through them. But here is a picture of that flowing river of energy in your book. Yogis thought there was these flowing rivers of energy. They didn't know nerves from, you know, nunchucks. They didn't know anything. And they believed we had these little lines of communication in our body that course through the subtle body that supports the physical body and the various systems. I think that's really cool. And they moved into the brain. So in order to harness the pure potentiality of the breath, you had to move your body to then end up coming into a meditative space where you can get into higher states of consciousness and solve world problems or whatever issues they were facing so long ago. The intersections of the nadis are called chakras. And the chakras intersect here and there forming the matrix of the subtle body. And this is pretty fascinating because the major intersections or the chakras of the nadis um, look very similar to a, something called the caduceus, which we know as the doctor's symbol. 
So the doctor's symbol in the intersections of the nadis, the major intersections, which were seven of them, also looks like the uh, winged staff or two serpents that were carried by the Greek god Hermes. And the Ida and the Pingala form the snakes of the Caduceus, where the Shushumna Nadi forms the staff, and the snakes intersecting at the chak- chakras. At that point, at, so those are the points of the Nadis. And at the Anja chakra between the eyebrows, there are two petals, one on either side, that look like wings. So that means the ball at the top of the caduceus or catechus is the brain, and the wings are which lets you set, sets yourself free if your nadis, your flowing rivers of energy, are in alignment. So how old is that? Well, I don't know. The symbol came from Hermes, which is like uh, 3000 BCE. And the sutras were written 2nd century BCE. So it is something that's been around for a really long time. Now, this is Eastern philosophy, and Western philosophy, ironically, has appropriated the symbol, but maybe not all of the techniques as of yet. But now we're in this stage of the healthcare revolution, right? And all of a sudden, uh, people are turning to uh, health, care by do, eating properly and physical activities and more mindfulness practices like the breath and movement instead of prescribing a pill. I think that's pretty freaking amazing. And one of the things that we did yesterday, the um, dolphin breath, is pretty fascinating because the dolphin breath, yogis didn't practice maybe a lot of poses but they made sure to practice everyday alternate nostril breathing because alternate nostril breathing on 33F of your book unblocks and balances the flow of the um, nadis, the vital energy in the channels of the spine and the brain. And it allowed you to come into that optimum creativity and optimum logical verbal activity. It also created this balanced person because the, the... when you calm the nervous system and tranquil the mind and eliminate impurities, you are allowing your brain to properly function. This is the best technique, according to yogis, to get the mind and the nervous system to work. On 33G, I give you an outline of the Ida, Pingala, and Shashimna Nadi. So you get an understanding of the parasympathetic nervous system and the cool stuff that happens between the balance of the left and right nostril. What's interesting is that hatha yoga, the ha and the ta, sets us inwardly free. Well, the ha is the um, masculine, that heat, that active, that strength, this solar, and that's your pingala. And then that's your right nostril of your autonomic nervous system, where you create, you think, you plan, you act. The ta, the more, the soul, the more lunar creative energy, where you're medit- you have a little bit easier time meditating, you're eliminating toxins, it's your feminine energy, and it is allowing you in the autonomic nervous system to kind of find joy and ease. That's your left nostril. So these two work together, but then they cross at the uh, um, Anja Chakra, 
and allow you to let your wings be free. So you can tell your friend who likes Red Bull or Red Bull cocktails or any kind of thing, like, that's really cool, you like to drink that drink, but I do yoga. That's my drug of choice. Your drug of choice is yoga because it sets you free. And so you can balance out the right and left hemisphere through the practice of yoga. So I wanted to kind of go through the nadis before you go through the chakras on page 30 of your book because then it gives you a better understanding about these little vortexes of energy in your subtle body. These are something you cannot really see, but when you're practicing, you're working on a subtle level, which is really, really, really cool. If there's a dysfunction, it's associated with um, a disorder, if you believe in chakras. Mm -hmm. What I gave you here is how the base chakra up to the crown chakra, you can actually um, relate a color to it. You can relate a stone to it. You can relate a sound to it. It's pretty cool. Now we're on page 33. I'm going backwards and forwards. I'm making you think. Yeah. So if you go to see page 33, uh, one of... Uh, the things you could play for a class is some music by a guy named Stephen Helprin, and it's called Chakra Suite, where he has a Chakra Suite or songs specifically for each chakra, and it's like piano music. What's his name? Uh, Stephen Helprin, S-T-E-V-E-N-H-A-L-P-E-R-N. And that's pretty cool. It is a really great way to share information. But on this page 33, it shows you if you're in a yoga studio and you're teaching a kid's class, you can do a seed symbol. If you're in a school and you can't use yoga, you can play on the piano a musical note. If you can talk about bodies and you're in a PE class, you can talk about the area in the body that it's affecting. If you can't talk about anything because you're in a nursery school in a religious place, you can talk about the color and how it relates to you. What I think is really interesting is that the next thing it shows you, for examples, physical problems, because our body is our autobiography, our chakras manifest in physical issues. It'll, it shows you a personal challenge, a posture, or meditation to do. And then the next couple pages just give you some information about chakras. Names, seed syllables, exercise, excessive characteristics, deficient characteristics, elements, herbs you can use for that specific chakra if you need to kind of get a kid to ground down to use cedar, um, gemstones that relate to that. And then if you're really into like yoga or different deities, you can see that kind of stuff too. So our bodies are incredible human machines, and when we're working and looking at the lines of communication within our body, it's not just physical, and we're not just working glands and lymph nodes and all of that stuff, but we're working on our emotions, we're working on our nadis, our flowing rivers of energy, and we're working on something way greater than uh, just what we physically see. 
Our bodies are superhuman machines, for sure.